you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode 110, or in other words, episode 110 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine, at Banner Banter 18, or on Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banter Podcast. Hope everyone had a great weekend, hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. I'm recording before the Super Bowl, so hopefully TV12 has his seventh ring by the time you listen to this podcast. But um, thank you. So, so much for letting me get to 10,000 streams, 10,000 listens, whatever you want to call it. Thank you so much. We hit that last week. Very cool moment. We, and I've decided to retire the cartoon avatar, my original logo. We've obviously hit a big milestone. It's now time to take this podcast to the next level with branding and graphics and videos, so on and so forth. So shout out to Joe and Alex from the Big Mind creative team for helping me out there. And of course, as you know, I'm part of the big night media crew with the Marky P show, Burnt Toast, Those Girls You Know, Drinks After Work, Eat the Damn Cake, Let's Get Rich Podcast. And I saw a board of all the new podcasts at the home office that are coming out very soon. Stay tuned. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Not as much as this one, but I think you're going to enjoy it. So before we break down everything, I have a guest on the show this week. Adam Taylor of the Celtics blog will be joining us today. We're going to chat about the last few games for the Celtics. I chatted with him on Saturday, so we're not going to talk about the Suns game, but we're going to talk about the, let's see, the Warriors game, the Kings game, and especially the Clippers game. We'll break all that down for you. Adam Taylor of the Celtics blog. Actually, he's so good at what he does. He covers the Celtics from England. That's how good he is. He loves talking X's and O's and plays and formations and rotations and you name it. Basketball geek at its finest. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully it doesn't confuse you too much. And uh, hopefully you can enjoy it too. So this week, or this past week, the Celtics beat the Warriors in Golden State 111-107. to They lost to the Kings 116-111. to They beat the Clippers 119-115, to which was a great win, by the way. A great, great win against a very good team. I don't care if they didn't have Paul George. That's a very, very good basketball team. They lost to the Suns today 191. They are now 12-10 and on the year, 7-7 and on the road. And still in the top four in the East in this very, 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 very weird basketball season. So... This is how we're going to start off the podcast this week. Not with Adam Taylor. We'll talk to Adam Taylor probably in about 10 minutes or so. But for right now, let's do Stud and Dud of the Week. Hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics Stud and the Celtics Dud of the Week. (laughs) 
All right, your stud and dud of the week for episode number 110 of the Banner Banner Podcast. Your stud of the week is Tristan Thompson. I thought Tristan Thompson was fantastic this week. I thought he was awesome. He is everything that I was expecting when we signed him to that $9 million deal earlier this offseason. I mean, to be honest with you, Tice and Kemba work better together. For sure, 1,000% they work better. I Obviously, they've played longer together. Tice can do a little bit more pick and pop, can do a little soft pick and roll, whatever the, whatever the case may be. He does it much better than Tristan Thompson. But with that being said, Tristan Thompson was a monster on the boards. He was physical. I really think that the Spurs game, when Tice and Time Lord and Tristan Thompson just got dominated by the Spurs big men, I really feel like that motivated him, and I feel like now we're finally seeing the player that we were trying to get. But this so far, this on this four-game road trip, 12 points a game, nine boards a game. That is exactly what you want from A, your starting big, who's not a scorer. I mean, Tristan Thompson's not a scorer, guys. Let's let's be let's just be real with ourselves. He's not a scorer. He's a rebounder. And to average almost a double double in these first four games of this West Coast road trip, especially with no Jalen, no Marcus, it, it it's been big. I mean, Jalen <clears throat> played in the Kings game. He had a sore knee and didn't play in the Clippers game, didn't play in the Suns game. Hopefully he can play in the Jazz game tomorrow night in Utah. We'll see. But the stud of the week is Tristan Thompson, without a shadow of a doubt. I thought he was terrific. Even on defense, too. I Physical, I loved it. All about it. The dud of the week is Jeff Teague. Holy guacamole. God-awful week. God-awful week. He did not step up when he should have. He had a good opportunity to try to get out of his little funk that he's in. You know, Peyton was out. Marcus is out, Kemba can't play on second nights of back-to-back, and Jeff Teague was just god-awful this week. And I'm going to talk about that with with Adam Taylor coming up. Uh, Adam Taylor wrote an article on the Celtics blog about how Jeff Teague was a mistake. I may disagree with that, but if you look over these last three or four games, Jeff Teague was a mistake. He did play a very nice game in Phoenix, though. You know, he I, I believe he was 4 of 8 from the field and scored 11 points, give or take, somewhere in that range. Uh, where, where was that? Uh, Jeff Teague. Uh, yeah, four of eight, 10 points. So overall, not a terrible game from Jeff Teague, but no assist from a point guard. Uh, that's not very good at all. His confidence is gone. And for all, for all I know, he might have the yips, you know, golfers have the yips where they think every single shot's going to be terrible. That, That could be Jeff Teague, but hopefully his confidence went up a little bit in this game. And the other thing is he created a burner account, supposedly. So Jeff Teague's middle name is DeMarco. And there is this Twitter account, DeMarco0055, going around saying, oh, no, Jeff Teague's a great guy and all this and all that. And then I think people try to finally caught on that it might have been Jeff Teague's burger, uh, burner account. And then he started talking all these crazy conspiracy theories. So if Jeff Teague did create a burner account to try and boost his confidence, then he may get the stud of the week. But for right now, piss poor effort out of the week for sure so let's recap the Warriors game the big five started again Kemba got off to a hot start he scored the first five points in the game Tristan Thompson like I mentioned he was very aggressive early just didn't stand at the top of the key with the ball which I like I feel like I've mentioned this plenty of times before Tice is slowly getting better at it but I feel like a lot of centers for the Celtics just catch the ball at the top of the three-point line and just put their butt pointing towards the hoop and they just stand there, and hopefully someone can get the ball with them. But Tristan Thompson doesn't do that. Tristan Thompson can dribble the ball, put his shoulder down, <clears throat> go up, get a hoop, and I like that. And I feel like that's a key part to the Celtics offense if he can attack. Steph Curry, obviously, <laughs> I mean, he dropped 54 points against the Mavericks the other night. Absolutely incredible performance. But he had 15 points in the first 
nine minutes of this game, a.k.a. the last thing you want to happen. I mean, the defense played pretty well, I thought, you know, versus the Clippers, but this game, absolute crap. The defense was so bad. They all looked clueless out there, just running through the motions, and I don't get it. I don't understand how this team can just turn it on and off whenever they want. It's very confusing. And it didn't help that Time Lord was like, I don't know, he must have had like 22 sodas before the game he was all over the place he just needs to relax I, I feel like whenever the time lord makes a mistake he has a panic attack and we don't need to I, I don't know if the coaching staff needs to get into his head or what but it's okay if you mess up that's part of the game no one's expecting you to be perfect i mean maybe some people on twitter are but for the most part no one's expecting the time lord to be perfect every single time he goes on the floor he's still young he's still learning but i feel like a big step for him will be hey i messed up that's okay let's move on so, second quarter rolls around for the Celtics. They do what they do. They dominate in the second quarter. The Celtics are one of the better, if not the best, second quarter teams in the league. They take the lead five minutes in, thanks to Tatum and Teague. Curry wasn't playing. The Warriors kind of crept back during uh, when Steph Curry came back. But, just like with Joel Embiid, when Joel Embiid's off the floor, you have to win the Joel Embiid minutes. And in this situation... Jason Tatum and Jeff Teague and the rest of the bench took over when Steph Curry wasn't playing. It also helped that Kevin Looney, their starting center, uh, I think it was the second quarter? Might have been the first quarter, the second quarter? He rolled his ankle. He now has a sprained ankle. He's out a couple weeks. But Daniel Tice was also very good defending the rim. He rebounded the ball well. He just did the little things in this game. that doesn't show up on the box score, but Daniel Tice did a good job doing the little things. And like I said, the Warriors kind of crept back up and crept back into the game a little bit to close out that second quarter. Jalen's scoring picked up, which was very nice to see. And the Celtics controlled the boards in the first, like, five or six minutes of that third quarter with Kevin Looney out, and that was the game-changer right there. I mean, they out-rebounded the Warriors 11-2 to in the first five or six minutes of that third quarter. Tice hit a big three to help them go up six. Uh, the Warriors were just shorthanded. I mean, the Celtics were too, but the Warriors were shorthanded. And Jalen and... um. Kemba and Tatum sometimes aggravate me and it's really around the rim I feel like Kemba and Jalen and Jason think that just because they get to the rim and if they miss a shot it's because they get fouled and I don't think that's the case they need to go up and get hit I mean I thought Jason Tatum gained weight this year so he'd go to the free throw line and get hit but they're just being too cute around the rim and they're not getting to the free throw they're not getting the line to get free throws I mean the Celtics in this I feel like they took less than 20 free throws in the Warriors game. They took less than 15 in the Suns game. They're not taking a lot of free throws. I did like how Jason Tatum did attack the rim a little bit more against this Suns team uh, earlier today. I did enjoy that. But overall, this team needs to go to the free throw line more. I've complained and complained and complained. Like, stop being cute and trying to avoid contact. Get contact. Go to the rim and let's go. Please and thank you. Um, what else happened in that third quarter? Uh, yeah, so with like three and a half to go, the Celtics were up six, and then it was Jeff T, Grant Williams, Jalen Brown, Tristan Thompson, and Javante Green, and that lasted for about 30 seconds because Steph Curry hit a couple back-to-back threes. Shout out to Brad Stevens to realizing that is not the lineup for me, but what was crazy about Steph Curry hitting those points to kind of cut the lead down for the Warriors was that was the first points he scored in the third quarter, and it wasn't until about 90 seconds to go in that third quarter. So good job by the Celtics defense making the proper adjustments, switching things up, and it worked for the time being until Steph Curry tied it up. Start of the fourth quarter, Curry off the floor. The Celtics stink again. 
to to start, but Kemba hit a big three. Grant Williams had a very nice second half overall. They went on a 15-2 run. Jalen had seven out of those 15 points, and that's how you take over. That's a great job by Jalen Brown saying, fourth quarter, time to go on a run, and when we do, it's going to be because of me, so bravo. One thing that I didn't like about the Celtics was I didn't like their self-awareness. Sorry, I feel like I'm flabbergasted when I talk about the Celtics' self-awareness. The Celtics' self-awareness sometimes when it comes to closeout games is ridiculous. Like, Jason Tatum got the ball, and he should have just thrown the ball up the floor to Peyton Pritchard where no one was guarding him, but instead he dribbled and dribbled and held it and waited until he got fouled. What if that went off his foot? The Warriors get the ball, but luckily that wasn't the case. Celtics win 111-107. to So we're moving right along in this podcast because I really want to get into this Adam Taylor interview that I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy. Uh... Kings game, no Kemba, no Peyton, no Marcus Smart, so a lot of point Tatum, which makes me smile. I feel like Jason Tatum has improved a lot, playmaking the ball, getting his teammates involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He did have a lot of dumb passes to start, one right to the referee, another one to De'Aaron Fox, and Teague did have some nice minutes defending De'Aaron Fox in the first half. De'Aaron Fox really got a lot of guys involved for his team. He realized scoring wasn't an option for him in the first half. And he's, I mean, he picked up the scoring in the second half. But that first half, I didn't think Jeff Teague was terrible defensively against De'Aaron Fox. But that's probably just because De'Aaron Fox found other open people to get better shots. But Celtics got, did get to the free throw line. They took six free throws in the first four minutes of this game, which is great. They built a good lead, six or seven point lead. And the bench and the all-star just... Couldn't get it going. I think Tatum plays better with the bench than Jalen does. So Tatum being the all-star, because technically he is, Jalen's not an all-star yet. He's going to be this year. He should. If not, we will riot. But I think Jalen doesn't... I feel like Jalen and Kemba play better with the bench, and then Jason plays better with the bench, because Jason can score in so many different ways, and so much attention gets brought to him. And I feel like he kind of likes that. But since Jay... JT and JB had to play with the bench probably for most of the second half because no Kemba and you don't want just all the bench guys out there. The Kings did go on a couple runs and they finally got the lead at halftime. So I don't know. It, it It's just so hard because like if Marcus was playing, you could have Jalen and Marcus out there. You could have Marcus and, J- and Jason out there. But with no Kemba, no Marcus in this game, no Peyton, it's really tough for Jalen and Jason to really get anything going. And then if they can't get going and the other team gets going, you know, good luck. And that's why the Kings were able to take the lead going into halftime. Uh, the best lineup, the the best lineup in this game was the big lineup with Thompson. He was so good in this game. Tristan Thompson, I feel like the, the Kings game is the reason why Tristan Thompson was the stud of the week. It was so good. Tice also played very well on both ends. Celtics were able to go on a 19-4 run against a zone. I mean, I know. It's been a weird year. You know, if you go from March 11th, to th- uh, 2020, to now, it's been a weird year. And the Celtics even went on a 19-4 run against a zone. What a time to be alive. Uh, because, of course... Right after they did that, they allowed a 10-0 run thanks to Halliburton, that rookie that I was talking about that they have to control. He had an incredible game. He was very, very impressive. But Tatum was 0-7 from 3 in the third, scoreless in the second half till about 8 minutes to go, sticks a 3 to put the Celtics up 3, but or to get the Celtics within 3, but they just couldn't close it out. Jalen wasn't featured at all to close out the game, minus the last 
play, and I thought the last play of the game was a very good play by Brad Stevens, but a good job by Luke Walton and the Kings coaching staff to realize foul early so the Celtics can't run a full play. It was a genius out-of-bounds play by um, Brad, and the Kings just did the right thing. Grant couldn't capitalize on the free throws, and Celtics lose <laughs> to the freaking Kings, 116-111, to 111, even though they were shorthanded. So now... We are going to bring in Adam Taylor. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things. We're going to talk about uh, how the season's going so far, Jeff Teague, the Clippers game, the Carson Edwards, a whole bunch of stuff. So here it is right now, Adam Taylor and I talking, chatting it up, everything about Celtics. Hope you enjoy it. And I will recap the Suns game after this and then preview the upcoming week for the Celtics. So stay tuned. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Now it's time for our very special guest from Celtics blog, Adam Taylor. He's joining us from England. Adam uh, is a really great writer for Celtics blog. For those of you that don't know Celtics blog, you probably shouldn't even be listening to a Celtics podcast if you don't know about Celtics blog because it seems to be pretty important. But uh, Adam Taylor, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man? Hey man, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for that intro. Um, there's a bunch of great guys over there, so I don't want to be taking any shine <laughs> off any of the other dudes that do great work there. Too, yeah. but I'm happy to be here. Thank you, thank you. So, um, how are you and your family like ha- handling the pandemic and stuff? You, everyone safe? Everyone good? Yeah, I mean, we're on like our third or fourth um, like lockdown, like where the whole country just kind of ceases to exist for a while. <laughs> so, um, it's par for the course at this point. Like a it's it's it is what it is you know you kind of just said uh, by now it's just normal but yeah I, I do miss just going out and doing stuff absolutely absolutely so for those of you that may not know a lot about you can you tell us a little bit about your backstory about you know the fact that someone from england can become such a well-known celtics writer like how did it how did it all come about for you sheer luck dude to be quite honest um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i've been a celtics fan since like a since I was about eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, used to get one game on TV. I've wrote a piece about this that I'll happily link if anybody does want to read it. Um, used to get one one game on TV. Uh, cable TV came. Um, Kobe came. Jordan came. Yeah. On. They start, and obviously, you're coming off the back of Jordan. Then you have that little bit of a lull where it, the league was kind of Iverson's for that little time, but there yep. wasn't really no superstar, right? Correct, yeah. Um, and then Kobe came and it became Kobe's league for a while. And then obviously you've got the Tim Duncans of the world. And as the the stardom in the league grew, so did the popularity across Europe. Yeah, um, absolutely. Not so much for England, uh, you know, soccer reigns supreme, but it's <laughs> Europe. So people around Europe just move countries like, like there was freedom of movement for a very long time. So the TV network started to increase their basketball coverage. Um are you like you know when you go into work after a game? So like if you went into work today after this game, first thing you're saying to guys at the building site or at the office is, "Hey, did you catch last night's game? That was awesome." Yeah, um, I don't get that. Like that, I don't have the, those interactions, right? Mm-hmm. So then Twitter came around, and I'm like everybody else. I tried Twitter, thought it sucked, moved <laughs> away from Twitter for a long time. <laughs> And then uh, somebody just randomly said to me one day, um, I think my friend lives in America, so I was talking to him on the phone. And they were like, hey, your boy should be on Twitter if he likes basketball. So um, I started, I went back on Twitter. Uh, and then it was just like starting an independent podcast, starting an independent blog, and then uh, lucky break after lucky break. And now I'm where I am, um, and I'm just grinding, trying to get to the next lucky break. And a lot, a lot of it's luck. And then a lot of it is like a, a bucket load of work behind the scenes that nobody really sees. 
Mm-hmm. But, but that's fine. Like I'll put the work in because you know, with if you don't put the hard work in, those lucky breaks tend to dry up quite quickly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny that that you mentioned. You know, a friend mentioned. You know, hey, you should jump back on Twitter, start a blog, start a podcast. That's how it it happens for me too. A couple of my friends were like, "Why don't you have a podcast?" And I was like, "Who's going to listen to me talk about it?" But it's crazy if you put in enough hard work, it actually does pay off. So that's a really cool story for sure. It's um, nuts though, right? Like you'll write something or speak about something, and like then you look at the numbers or you look at how many impressions the tweet had, and you're like. People actually paid attention. Like, what, why are they listening? Like, I don't understand why people are listening to me. It just doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, I think about that every single week when I look at, you know, the analytics and stuff. And I'm like, wow, someone from Michigan's listening to a Celtics podcast. Like, like what? Like, that that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But it is what it is. And, you know, it's it's cool how how many people across the world can care about, like, one thing that you care about, you know. And even though Twitter sucks sometimes, it is pretty cool how it can bring people together. Yeah, it can suck. Uh, <laughs> some um, of the DMs I get are quite, uh, quite. Nice. Oh yeah, I can't even imagine, dude. For for as many followers as you have, I'm sure that is just absolutely brutal. Especially with, I feel like some people just do it just to hate, and other people just do it just to try to get their own attention. Of, yeah, ninety percent of them are just based on where I am in the world, and just like, hey, what do you know about this? It's yeah, like, see, that's stupid. I'm just like, that's fun. Like, I just don't give them a response, you know, because then you're empowering them when you respond. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's been a weird year for the Celtics so far. What are, before we, you know, break the, we're going to talk about the Clippers game and a couple other things here and there, but what are your overall thoughts on the season so far? Obviously it's been, been a weird year, but what do you, what do you think about the team so far overall? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see them healthy for a stretch. Like at least I'll call it the core four, uh, Kemba, Tatum, Brown, and Smart. Yep. Seeing them play at least a 10-game stretch together would give me a lot more of an idea about where this team actually is. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, we haven't been lucky enough to have that yet. Well, I think we've had like a two-game stretch or something stupid where they have actually all been healthy. Uh, there's definitely a gap at the wing, the big, a big ring, like a four. Um, that's definitely where I feel like the biggest need is. With um, Any trade talk should be focused around filling that wing spot. Yeah. Uh, bench, I feel like the bench is fine. Uh, I wrote a piece about Jeff Teague yesterday, which was better received than I expected it to be, um, which was basically saying Jeff Teague was a mistake. I stand by that. I do think Jeff Teague was a, a very big mistake. Other than that, I just feel like you need, there's a few pieces that are dead wood on the very end of that bench that could better be served on other teams or in a developmental program that could open up a roster spot or two for some veterans. Absolutely. Like to start the season, like I thought Jeff Teague was going to be good just because I I didn't know what we were going to get from Peyton Pritchard. You know, you a four year guy who's undersized. You just didn't know where you're going to get him, and you figure, okay, a veteran guy maybe you can help him along a little bit. But now with how well Peyton's played, Carson showed some flashes last night. It's really just like, can we get rid of Jeff Teague to hopefully get another piece? And speaking, you know, about getting that four, obviously we have the trade uh, or the trade exception from the Gordon Hayward trade. And we also have like people forget, we also have some from the Ennis Canner deal, too. I know it's not a lot of money, but we still have that. Who and the Poirier you? one, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Vincent Poirier one, too. Is there anyone that you are eyeing or is there just too many options right now and you you just can't figure out where you want to go. Like, is it Aaron Gordon? Do you want to go get JJ Redick? I know he's not a four, but he's a shooter. Where Where are you eyeing? I'll go between Harrison Barnes and Aaron Gordon probably every two days. I kind of <laughs> change my opinion. Um, 
for two reasons. Like uh, Keith Smith made this very good point, and I don't know whether it was in a group chat that I'm in with him or if it was on a Twitter and I just misconstrued where I saw it. But regardless, I'm sure it's been said on both platforms. Uh, Aaron Gordon has always been miscast as a first or second option uh, in terms of his hierarchical uh, Mm -hmm. position on the Magic. And he's not prolific enough. He's not efficient enough scoring the ball to be considered a one or two guy. He'd be better off being a third, fourth or fifth option on offense. And that would allow him to space the floor a little bit more with his scoring threat. And then he'd play so much more off ball. We'd probably get better flashes of his cutting ability and ability above the rim that you could actually feature him as a very good fourth man. Whereas at the moment you're seeing the worst side of him because he has to force the offense so much in Orlando. So that makes sense to me. I'd like to see what he could bring to the team as a fourth or fifth guy on offense. And then on defense, he brings some size and some verticality pair him with Robert Williams and that's a very bouncy rim protecting duo. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I like Harrison Barnes because you know what you're getting with Harrison Barnes. Like he's a guy that appeared to be one of the options on after starting lineup in terms of offense, but can just play his role excellently mm-hmm. uh, knows what it takes to win a championship. Both guys are under contract for future years as well. I think that's going to be a big part of any Celtics decision. They're not going to waste this TPE on a guy that leaves either this year or next, because then you have kind of sold the, like lost Hayward and then through like sold the farm down the way just to try and get success this year. When realistically you're probably a year or two of development away from being legitimate contenders. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing about Harrison Barnes, I mean, he's having a career year, like all of his numbers, his shooting percentage, his three point percentage, his field goal percentage, like everything's a career high for him this year. So I feel like he's in a good space. And if he can come to a team now, I don't know. Do you think Brad would plug him in right away? Or do you think Brad would keep the the big lineup of Tyson Thompson? Because Tristan Thompson this past week has played a probably what we were all expecting him to play. He's played his best three or four games as a Celtic. Do you think Brad, if Harrison Barnes does come over, or Aaron Gordon comes over, tries to keep Tyson Thompson together and have these guys come off the bench? So my biggest outlook on this two big lineup was they're developing a plan B. Over the last few years in the playoffs, when teams have schemed them out and really gone up against them defensively and took guys out of the game, Brad's never had a plan B to turn to. You've kind of just had to keep plugging away with the exact same offensive system. Mm-hmm. Now he's implementing this two big lineup and his hand has been forced a lot. There's a there's a hole at the four where Hayward was. Um, you've had Tatum miss time. You've had Kemba miss time. He's had to put out the most competitive lineup possible and that means rolling out that two big lineup for me personally i think if a trade was made to bring in another four um, as barnes or gordon you'd probably see that two big lineup run for a few more weeks while that new guy is getting acclimated to the team yeah but then i think that they'd start rolling out more of a, a modernized traditional five you know yeah um, but then in the playoffs if that traditional five is struggling or a team has schemed that schemed against that offensive outlook then now brad has that plan b he has that two big lineup that we've seen roll out and they've figured out how to play so i'm not too concerned about who starts i'm always more concerned about who finishes Finishes. but having a plan b is um is something that i've been screaming for for the celtics team for a few years so i'm quite happy with the way things are looking at the moment i'm I'm glad you said that because i hate how people look into you know who starts but you'll I think the thing with the Celtics is you also want to start off well, because I don't know about you, but I still can't trust them in the fourth quarter. You know, obviously they played unbelievable last night against the Clippers. 
uh, in that third quarter, outscored the Clippers by 18. But I don't know, whenever there's like six minutes left and the Celtics have a lead, I just feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like I, I just don't trust them yet. And I, I really think that bringing in someone like Aaron Gordon or Harrison Barnes, who's been in those spots before and Grant Williams did play, you know, great last night. It's probably, you could argue Grant Williams best game in a Celtics uniform, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just not ready to trust him yet in that spot. And I would rather trust a Harrison Barnes, you know, uh, an Aaron Gordon, like you said, more than, than Grant Williams going down the road. Do you have, big concerns about the Celtics in the fourth quarter like I do? I mean, I just think the inconsistencies down the stretch are the hallmark of a young team. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I was kind of expecting Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague to steady the ship. Absolutely. I think we're, we're going to see more of that from Thompson, but Teague is too volatile. Like, he's very focused on his own numbers as far as I'm concerned. He's not mm. too... Like, there was a play yesterday where... um, And I've called him out on this before and uh, again in that piece of work. He'll never put himself in the way of contact to recover a loose ball. Um, he only, like There was a moment in time where there was a loose ball yesterday, and luckily the Celtics managed to keep keep hold of possession. But Jeff T could just stand there and watch that ball bubble yeah, around. He won't, that's so true. And if you have a veteran, like you want him to lead by example. That's why Marcus Smart's the most valuable in terms, it, for me, isn't the scoring burst that he can go on, but it's the fact that throwing yourself on the floor and taking a shot to the face is going to fire everybody else up around you. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, inconsistencies in the fourth is a for me, it's the hallmark of a young and inexperienced team. So and that mainly looks at the bench, right? I mean, when you look at guys like Carson, Peyton, um, even Tremont, whoever you grant, these guys have um all only had one or two years in the league. They haven't learned how to close an elite level yet. Mm-hmm. That only comes with reps. So I, it's par for the course. I expect it, I just don't like it. What was one thing that you saw last night in the Clippers game that really, you know said, okay, this team's finally, maybe they figured something out. I mean, obviously that third quarter was great. Tatum was lights out again, but was there anything that specific that stuck out to you that said, okay, this was an improvement. I like to see that. Hopefully they can continue that going forward. Yeah, it was to play make enough penetration for me. Um, a lot of people, like Scal was talking about the ball movement as a whole, and um, I get that. Like, I want to see the ball move too, but there's a huge difference between swinging the ball around the perimeter or forcing defenses to collapse and then moving the ball from there. Because once the defense collapse, two, you swing it out to the perimeter, that one extra pass will give you oceans of space. Mm-hmm. And we were seeing guys do that. We were seeing guys like, um, I think Edwards done a good job of uh, attacking the paint a few times and then kicking out. We saw um, Grant Williams. I think he, he was like a secondary creator from the low block, passed it out. And then there was another drive to another kick out. And that penetration to me is what, always forces defenses to rotate and you can catch them sleeping or catch them mid rotation. And that's where your easy points come from. Yep. Um, we don't see that too much from the Celtics. It's a lot of isolation reset, high pick and roll isolation. So seeing that to me was like something somewhere is clicking. And now they're understanding that this penetration would lead to an open pass or a secondary pass off that pass will lead to another penetration opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you blow one of the best three teams in the league out of the water for a quarter. Yeah. So uh, that was really encouraging to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, I don't know if you noticed it, but I felt like the, the recovery and the defensive rotations in the last like two minutes of that Clippers game was really good. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people noticed like the effort that Kemba took to almost block that Lou Williams three pointer in the corner that he missed was so important. Cause if he didn't hustle over there in the corner quick enough, 
to give Lou Williams a wide open three, that probably would have iced the game for the Clippers. So I felt like the the last two minutes or so with a group of players that probably haven't played together a lot, the fact that their rotations were okay, they were, in, even if they did mess up, their recoveries were pretty good. I, I enjoyed that part of the last like two minutes or so because usually I don't trust the Celtics defense in the last two minutes because it was fascinating to see like in the Lakers game, I felt like the, the Celtics had probably their best defensive game of the season, give or take. It just looked healthy. Do you see any improvements with the Celtics defense over the last, you know, maybe week, 10 days or so? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'm not sure if you're in this, if you're familiar with this terminology. So if you not, let me know and I'll explain what I'm getting at. Uh, just because I don't want to sound like I'm talking gibberish. Um, <laughs> the weak side I have been. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, so I, weak... I played I played hoops for a really long time. So I, I love this type of chat. So run with <laughs> it. And if, and if the listeners don't, then they can they can reach out to me later. But yeah, I okay. love all this talk. So go at it. Um, the weak side I have been very undisciplined um generally the low man in the eye has uh, helped off of the corner which is fine because you always provide help off the weak side corner but then the high man in the weak side eye has to split the difference right between mm-hmm. the wing that can slash it and the corner man that can shoot and what you'll see is that the high man in that eye will sag off a little bit too much which makes the recovery time to whoever receives the ball off the swing pass too much and then like so you'll see nicholas platoon putting up for what looks like an open free um, and then what's really happened is the high eye guy has just sagged that little bit too much. Yep. That happened a little bit in the first quarter. I felt like they were getting to the corner shots whenever they wanted uh, because the eye was sagging too deep. Yeah, because Luke Kennard hit a couple wide open corner threes because of that. Yeah, because you you know you need your low eye man to come in to tag the rollout or to provide help around the rim. Yep. So then you want to split the difference. Um, once they figured that out and they stayed far more disciplined, like um. Both of the eye were kind of working in tandem, so they'd um they'd pinch in a little bit, but enough that they could both recover whenever they needed to. And then when rotations happen, that's when somebody would figure out, okay, I need to do a paint switch, or I need to tag the roll man here and then help and recover. Um, when I feel like they were way more disciplined from the second half. Uh, the first half to me was a bit still a bit sloppy. Yep. The second half there was a lot more um a lot more determination grit and they were far more disciplined on their weak side help because that's where they've been getting caught out all year. It's never been the point of attack defense for me. It's always been weak side help or very slow to recover to the strong side. I saw a play against the Kings where Tatum was helping off the strong side corner and that just screamed insanity to me because I've never (laughs) seen Tatum do that before. So I was like, why is Tatum helping off the strong side? Uh, But there you go. I mean, yeah, they definitely have improved. Um, There's still a ways to go, but a lot of it's going to be about... um, about intensity now i think that they've they're good enough to stay committed to their to their scheme it's just bringing it for those full 48 yeah because they they definitely lag sometimes and i and i think that's very frustrating because you you don't understand like it's so confusing how they can play so strong and so intense for such a good period of time you know they're up 14 points and then they just kind of doze off for a little bit kind of run through the motions and then now they're only up four and I just feel like that that's a frustrating part, but I'm sure it's a weird season and it's a lot going on. And hopefully, do you think I'm trying, I don't want to like call out Brad Stevens cause I'm a Brad Stevens guy. I mean, the starting lineup last night against the Clippers was beyond questionable, but do you think there is any of the players kind of zoning out Brad because they've coached with him for, you know, he's been their coach for so long. Do you think the players are just kind of saying, yeah, cool, whatever you say, or do you think, that everyone there does like Brad as the coach. 
I think that everybody likes and respects Brad, but I don't think he demands the authority that some other coaches in the league do. Like, um, I still think he's one of the top five young coaches in the league. He's one mm-hmm. of the best um, X's and O's coaches you're going to get, and he's de- he's proving and developing a reputation for a player development coach too. Yeah. But for me, and I don't know if you agree, but when Kara Lawson was there, she seemed to be the one that would um, really get into people during time. Yep. She, and then when she left was when the Celtics fell off, right? When mm-hmm. she left from the bubble, the Celtics, that's when they started tuning out a little bit more because Brad isn't the type of guy to chew guys out where it can be seen on camera. What happens in the locker room is things that we, we're not aware of. So, um, yeah, I think that it's not so much on Brad, but it would definitely help for him to have like a really dominant assistant coach that will chew guys the hell out. And I'd, Evan Turner was a great pickup. He'll demand respect, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to tear your head off. Someone like KG that will call you out on the spot <laughs> yeah. is exactly what you need. And I think Kara Lawson, um, for as much as she was deserving of that coaching spot, um, she was a huge loss for the Celtics um, coaching staff. All right, great. Because I, I thought the same thing. And I, I talked about it in one of my episodes where I was just like, I don't think people are going to realize how important Carol Lawson is. You may not like see it. Like you just may see her clapping on the bench and stuff. But I feel like uh, the players appreciated the fact that she played for so long. She won some championships. She won gold medals. Like she was a heck of a basketball player. And I think they respect that probably more than they would Brad for just being the X and O's guy. So um, I'm glad someone else agrees with me um, about that. Um, I just have two questions left for you before we go. You tweeted out something the other day, and I thought it was fascinating. And this is one of the many reasons why I follow you and Keith Smith and everyone over at Celtics blog. But you stated that um, when Tatum's the main ball handler in the pick and roll, he takes 40, 47% of those takes or jumpers. It, do you like that number? Do you think that number should go down? Do you think Tatum should be attacking the rim more? Because Listen, Jason Tatum's obviously a heck of a basketball player. His jump shot's beautiful. It's art. It's the Mona Lisa, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But do you think that number should be down more? Because his free throw numbers this year have been brutal. Like his attempts, he hasn't been, he, and to be honest with you, he hasn't even been shooting free throws that well when, once he does get to the line. Do you like the fact that Tatum is taking 40% jumpers off pick and rolls, or do you want that to go down? I mean, I'd be happy with it's not even much of a difference. I'd be happy with forty percent jumpers. Yeah, um, yeah, not not like yeah. I'm not saying like down to like twenty percent at all, but just even down a smidge. I feel like would just help everyone. Yeah, they would. Um, I like the way that he is attacking off the pick and roll. I like the way that he'll attack off the pick and roll, give the ball up, and then get into a post up and go to work from the post. I think mm-hmm. that Tatum's work off that low block this year has been one of the most underlooked developments in his game. Amen. Um, amen. Amen. Um, when we're talking about do I want him shooting jumpers? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'd prefer him to dribble less before doing stuff. Uh, <laughs> if he wants to drive, that's fine. But I do think that um, if you look at the way he's playing at the moment, a lot of his layups are coming in the flow of the offense or he'll catch them off the cut when he's already beat his man. Mm-hmm. He's definitely avoiding contact a little bit. And I don't know whether that's um, a good thing because you don't want him picking up knocks and injuries this early in the season that may last into the playoffs. Yeah. But at the same time, he's like, if you look at Joel Embiid, right. And you look at how Embiid this year has added, like he'll post you up. And then as he faces up, he'll swing his arm into your gut, into your hand, you know, the hand you, and yep. you, he's drawing fouls. Right. But mm-hmm. he does never a risk of him getting injured. And I think Tatum can learn ways to draw fouls that could, 
not risk his body like a, a Via. Like we never see Tatum Via when he's dribbling. Um, a Via layup or nine times out of ten, Jeff Teague tries it all the time, but he's just not skilled enough to do it. Um, <laughs> a Via layup will usually draw you a foul because the yep. guy has to contest from straight off your hip. So um, Tatum could add an Avia. Jaden Brand's not added Avia into his game this year, and he's getting to the line more because of it. Um, so there's definitely ways that Tatum can learn to incorporate foul drawing mechanics into his game that don't put his body at risk. But until he figures those out, I'm fine with the jumpers. I, but I do think that his numbers at the moment, uh, they're there because he has the volume, but his efficiency hasn't been the same as what we've seen previous years either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So before I let you go, I'm really interested in this Jazz game on Tuesday. Uh, the Jazz, you can arguably aren't the best team in the league record wise they've won i think 14 out of the last 15 games and i just think both teams match up really well spider tatum you know uh bogdanovich jalen brown obviously rudy gobert both good young coaches what are you expecting from the celtics in this game do you think they can pull out a victory especially the fact that it's the last game of a pretty tough five five game west coast trip yeah, so the Jazz just run a, a bunch of luck and trails and they funnel everybody towards go there, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if we're ever going to see a game where we're screaming for guys to pull up off pick and rolls, this is going to be it because Gobert's playing drop all day long. Yep, absolutely. So, that, so you're going to find workable um, room in that mid-range. Um, the Celtics also against the Clippers, I don't know if you noticed this, but they run a bunch of open corner pick and rolls mm-hmm. to open that mid-range up for those pull-ups. Uh, I'd expect to see a lot of that. Defensively for the Celtics, uh, Gobert to me is also the main guy to watch out for. If you look at how Zubak kind of had his way against the Celtics, yeah, he did. Uh, Gobert's going to do way better than that. He's going to be a lot more harder to contain. So Gobert might go off a little bit in terms of points in the paint. When you're talking about um, Spider, ideally you want to be able to put Marcus Smart on him. That's not going to be optional. So if Jalen Brown's back, he's the best point of attack defender at that point. Mm -hmm. I think Brown has the strength, the length and the speed to be able to stay in front of Mitchell and contain him. Uh, You you can't stop guys like that, right? I always go back to that. He got game quote, can't stop him. Can only, um, or you can only contain contain him. him. Yep. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you contain him, you set yourself a, a points total in your mind and you do everything you can to keep him on or below that points total. Bogdanovich again, he's just going to be a three-point shooter. I'm more than happy with the Celtics um, running some chain rotations or some help defense schemes that are going to keep him on that line. So the entire thing is then shrinking the floor on Gobert rolls. Um, I think the Celtics will do quite fine there. But again, go if Zubac is punishing you off a, a pick and roll, then Gobert is going to absolutely have a field there. Do you, are you worried about like how worried are you about Gobert having a field day, especially after seeing what? the Spurs did to Thompson and Tice and Time Lord. Uh, what was that last week or two weeks ago? It feels like forever ago. Yeah, that feels like the game where Thompson really got his act together after that. Like yeah, he, yeah. I feel like he was like embarrassed by his performance and he really just got his shit together and was like, I I cannot play that soft ever again. So are you, do you think Thompson can maybe be a little physical towards Gobert and maybe calm him or contain him a bit, I should say? So what they're going to need to do, really, if we're like Gobert's going to run high-ish pick and rolls, right? He's going to run mid and side pick and rolls yep. to, to spider the driving lanes. So you want to shrink the floor straight off that pick and roll. You don't want to be hedging or showing on that pick and roll. You want to be playing up to touch and then dropping straight on the roll man and shrinking the shrinking the driving lane because what you want to force Gobert to pick the ball up just below the free throw line because he's not a very good jump shooter. He doesn't really have that hook shot nailed down. Yep. 
if you can do that, then you're going to be able to contain his effectiveness. Um, all you need to do then is hope to God that you can box him out <laughs> high enough that you can get your uh, your defensive rebounds. I'm not concerned, but I do think that he's going to hold the keys to the game um, offensively for the Jazz. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, Adam, this was great, man. I mean, I love the inside basketball junkie talk, uh, you know, like the weak side eye and all those things that you brought to the table. So I really appreciate you uh, joining the Banner Banter podcast today. This will be out on Monday. Um, so we won't be able to talk about the Suns game or recap that, but that should be a fun game. But uh, I hope you and your family are staying safe and hopefully uh, you can make your way over to the States soon and uh, come to a game uh, at TD Garden. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And trust me, I've got um, I've got lots of plans when I'm stateside. It's just waiting until it's safe enough to travel. All right, cool, man. Well, thanks appreciate for joining us, and uh, we'll talk soon. Of course, man. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Shout out to Adam Taylor for joining us. That was really, really cool. We were only planning on talking for like 10 or 15 minutes, but the conversation was just so good, I thought, that we, we just had to keep it going. So I'm glad Adam was able to hop on from the other side of the world in England, and I thought that was a really cool conversation. Hopefully we can have Adam on soon. Don't forget to check him out all over the place on Twitter and at the Celtics blog website, which is run by Sports Nation. They do a great job over there. So the Suns recap, Celtics just played bad. Carson Edwards got the start. I mean, like we were talking about with Adam, Carson Edwards had a great game against the Clippers. He really and truly did. And was it good enough to to get a start against the Phoenix Suns on a West Coast road trip? No. Um, and it definitely showed because Carson just didn't play that well. It didn't work out in this game. He was a minus 19 before the end of the third quarter. He couldn't defend Devin Booker. Devin Booker obviously is much taller than he is, much more lengthier, and he can not only can hit contested jump shots, he can also take shots over Carson Edwards. That just didn't work out, so that made Devin Booker get going early, and because of that, the Celtics had to change up their defense a little bit, and because of that, Devin Booker got a lot of people involved. I mean, we don't think Devin Booker, the score, uh, the passer, right? Well, Devin Booker had 18 points and 11 assists in this game. We, we think about, <clears throat> excuse me, we think about Devin Booker, the kid who scored 20 points at TD Garden a couple of years ago, not the guy who's dropping more assists than Chris Paul. He had nine more assists than Chris Paul. Devin Booker is a great player. He's becoming, if he can become this type of a playmaker with Chris Paul on the floor, I've, I've said it from day one, the Suns are going to be a very dangerous team in the playoffs, especially with that veteran leadership. But with the Celtics going off to a cold start, I mean, Kemba Walker, guys, oh my God, four of 20 from the field, 33 minutes, four of 11 from three. Just 14 points, a minus 16 overall, three turnovers. I mean, one of the good things about this week, guys, and I know it's going to sound ridiculous, but the Celtics kept care of the basketball. They only had five turnovers in this game. They didn't have that many turnovers in the Clippers game. They kept a good job of, or they kept care of the ball. That's what I meant to say. They, they did a really good job keeping care of the basketball throughout this entire road trip, and hopefully that can continue because if you can take care of the ball, at home, in important situations, that's going to be big for the Boston Celtics. So even though they went 2-2 two and two so far on this road trip and it wasn't the best week of the world, especially with no Jalen and no Jason and Peyton only played two out of the four games, so on and so forth, they are taking care of the ball, which means Brad is putting his players in good situations, and I like that. But the Celtics just couldn't hit a shot to start. I mean, 35% overall from the field. 38% from three. I mean, they did shoot the three-point ball better than the Suns did, but it just didn't matter at all. I mean, the the Suns' defense is really good. They collapsed. They they make 
they shrink the court on you, so you can't move the ball around that much. And I thought the Celtics played way too much ISO ball in this game. They really and truly did. I mean, 19 assists, 33 made field goals. That ain't going to cut it in any way, shape, or form. But luckily the Suns did get cold. Kemba hit a couple shots, which was great to see. But when you leave Mikel Bridges wide open in the corner multiple times, he started off the game 4-4. Four four. He hasn't been shooting the ball that well to, uh, recently. Why? How do I know that? Because he's on my fantasy team because I thought he'd be a good pick. So I'm happy with his play today, uh, fantasy basketball-wise. But, you know, overall, just just you can't leave someone like that open. Someone who's in a sh- who's struggling shooting, to see that ball go in one or two times, it's, it's not a good look, and the Celtics allowed that. And Teague had eight points. Grant had a couple hoops to get the Celtics back into this game in the second half. I think they tied it up at one point in the... Um, I'm sorry, not in the second half, in the second quarter. I think they tied it up at one point. Um, Tice did a good job. He played very well, I thought. But like I mentioned, two turnovers in the first half. I mean, that's how you do it. I mean, they were only down three. They should have been down about 20 with how poorly they were shooting the ball. But to come out flat in that third quarter, they let the Suns go on a 17-4 run. Tatum got frustrated. He got a technical. Kemba got frustrated. He got a technical. But luckily, Peyton, hit a, Peyton Pritchard finally came back to life. He was 4 of 9 from the field today. He scored 12 points, had 5 rebounds. This obviously his best game back, even though it's only his second one. My concern was I was nervous that it was going to take Peyton some time to really kind of get back into the swing of thing, swing of things again, because he played lights out before he, you know, hurt his leg uh, against the 76ers. But I thought he did a really, really good job here today. So shout out to uh, P- Peyton Pritchard for for playing well. The Celtics did do some good things today, folks. They they really did. To be shorthanded, to go down to Phoenix, to have a chance to win this game late. I mean, I'm not for moral victories in any way, shape, or form, but. When Kemba Walker is playing this bad, and you can see how frustrating it's getting, it's it's very concerning. I he was unbelievable in the Clippers game. I thought Kemba played a great, great game. He I thought he was one minus Tatum, of course, you know, because Tatum dropped thirty four points because he loves playing against LA teams. Kemba played very well. I mean, Kemba was one of the main reasons why the Celtics won that basketball game, and to see him have such a bad day like two days later is tough. The, the Celtics did have a lot of good defensive possessions. They did force Chris Paul and the Clippers, um, oh boy, Chris Paul and the Clippers, Chris Paul and the Suns to really struggle out there at times. Chris Paul didn't, I mean, Chris Paul missed a lot of wide open shots, luckily, but maybe that was because of the good defense from the Celtics. Who knows? But the Celtics tried to cut down the lead. They just couldn't do it, and they just sucked this afternoon. It, it, it's just case in point. They, they were not that good this afternoon. So let's... um preview the upcoming week for the Celtics. Celtics have four games this week, including one back-to-back, so that means Kemba will not be playing in the game. So the first one is tomorrow night, Tuesday, in Utah to end the five-game road trip. That will be at 10 o'clock. Then they have two games at the Garden. Thursday against the Raptors at 7.30 and then Friday at 8 p.m. against the Pistons. That will be the game that Kemba misses. And then they are off to Washington, uh, D.C. for Valentine's Day for a 1 p.m. lovely matinee. Let's talk about the Utah Jazz game real quick. We'll break down these games real quick and we'll let you be on your way. The Jazz game, well, good luck. Just right off the bat, good luck. They've won 15 out of the last 16 games. They are healthy. They are ready to go. Quinn Snyder is doing a great job. They have a top five defense. They have a top 10 offense. They can get out on shooters. They have great defensive rotations. They can rebound the ball well. They have seven guys averaging double figures. 
they have it all to be honest with you they really do they have you know donovan mitchell they they have an all-star in donovan mitchell they have a veteran point guard in mike conley they have a great bench guide in jordan clarkson they have a shot blocking big the defensive player of the year in rudy gobert they have good shooters like ingles and bogdanovich bogdanovich a lot of people forget that he got hurt in, uh i think either before the bubble or during the bubble and that's why they probably didn't go deeper in the playoffs, but the Jazz are going to be a very, very hard team to beat, and if the Celtics have the same offense that they have in Phoenix, oh, it's going to be a long, long night. They have to go back to a lot more motion on offense, a lot of those backdoor baseline cuts. They need to come back to that. It did work. There's no need to go away from it. Try to expand from that. I, I really think Brad should go back to that offense. And then the Raptors game. The last time the Raptors played... Uh, the Celtics and the Raptors played was down in Tampa, 116-104. to 104. It was that blowout game. The Raptors are finally getting their shit together. They're still shaky at times, but they're getting their shit together. Fred Van Fleet dropped 54 points last week. He had an absolutely incredible game. Marcus Smart won't be able to guard Kyle Lowry. That will be tough for sure. Hopefully Jalen's knee will be healthy. Kemba will be playing in this game, so that's obviously a good thing. Here's the thing. The Raptors suck at rebounding. So you know what you're going to have to do against this team? Rebound. Rebound the basketball. Get into Siakam's head again. Rebound the basketball. Be physical with Aaron Baines. And the thing with Siakam, you need to get into his head. I think he's over his little like yips or lack of confidence that he had from the bubble. But if you can get him back to that level, that's a good thing. But the bench, the bench. I I know I every single time I talk about the Raptors, especially uh, in the bubble. We, in the playoffs, in that second round seven game playoff series, which was insane, the bench, Norman Powell, he's a very good bench player. These guys are deep. They can they can score. So Peyton Pritchard, Shemi, maybe we see Neesmith, Carson Edwards, whoever you are, you guys are going to have to show up and play. Second night of the back-to-back against the Pistons at Friday night, they're not playing very well. The Celtics split with them earlier. I think it was in January. They lost 96-93, and then they won 122-120. to 120. It's pretty simple with the Pistons. Defend Jeremiah Grant and box out Mason Plumley. Simple as that. Blake Griffin is going to take his shots, you know, pick and pop. You know, he's only averaging 12 points a game. No one has fallen off the face of the earth more than Blake Griffin has. Derek Rose, from my understanding, is not with the team anymore. He got traded to the New York Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr. I believe that's the trade that I saw. I think I'm pretty sure it's official. Um, I don't know if it's officially official official, but I'm pretty sure Derrick Rose will not be with the Detroit Pistons this upcoming Friday with the team. They do have shooters like Sadiq Bey that can be streaky, so the Celtics have to defend that three-point line well. And then finally, the Wizards game. My boy Bradley Beal on Valentine's Day. The Celtics beat them earlier this year, 116-107. to That's the game where Bradley Beal dropped 41 points. This is a very winnable game. This is a must-win type of game for me. Like, Don't play around. Don't play down to your opponents. Stay strong. Everyone should be back. Healthy minus Marcus Smart. Hopefully Marcus Smart will be back probably the last week of February. They may hold him out until after the All-Star break, to be honest with you, if the Celtics can survive with just Jalen, Jason, and Kemba. We'll see. But Thomas Bryant will not be with the Wizards. He's done for the year with an ACL injury. He's their leading rebound. Uh, he was their second leading rebounder. Their leading, re- their leading rebounder is Russell Westbrook. So don't box out Russell Westbrook. Don't let Jordan Bell get going. The Wizards can score, though. They average, I think they're fourth or fifth in most points per game. They can score with the best of them, and obviously that's because of Bradley Beal. But Tatum can shut down Rui. Grant and Shemi have to get out on Bertrands. Bertrands is not having a very good year this year, so hopefully that can continue against the Celtics. And then hopefully Jalen can slow down Bradley Beal a bit. And that's and that will 
next week or this upcoming week minus the Jazz game, all three winnable games to kind of get back into a groove. Absolutely. And I know I say that every week, but I, I didn't think they'd beat the Clippers. I thought that was a great win. Today's game, to me, was just a fluke. Be competitive against the Jazz if you can. You can beat the Raptors. You have to beat the Pistons, and you have to beat the Wizards to try and get back on a good little roll here before another tough week, uh, the week after Valentine's Day. So that's it for Episode 110 of the Benner Banter Podcast. Thank you to my guest, Adam Taylor. Thanks to you for listening. I really appreciate it. You can find me on the Twitter machine, at Banner Banter 18, or on Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banter Podcast. And please be safe, wear a mask, and today is my niece's fourth birthday my best friend in the whole wide world my rah-rah monster happy birthday my love i love you i hope you have a great fourth birthday we'll talk soon guys toodles and noodles x's and o's sorry but i'm gone i'm history and i dedicated my life to the boston Celtics. i dedicated my life to the fans of boston i did my very best to please each and every one of you good night